0: You're listening to a Roddenberry podcast. The Trek Files, Season 10, Episode 4. Excerpts from the Star Trek The Next Generation Writer's Director's Guide, March 23, 1987. Welcome to The Trek Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal files of Gene Roddenberry. And now your host, Dr. Trek, Larry Nemacek.
1: Hey, welcome back, all you Star Trek fans, all you Star Trek historians, and oh boy, hey, you Trek heads, you tech heads today are going to love this. Yeah, all the canonistas, <laughs> in general, everybody. Trekophiles spelled with an F. Uh, we've got a wonderful new guest to the show, but somebody you are well familiar with today. So as always, take a look at our Facebook page. That's where we keep the documents. Hopefully you're hearing this wherever you love capturing your uh, your podcast. But at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash the Trek Files. That's where you'll find our documents of the week. We are going to be going back a little bit in time, but also very much talking about what's happening today in today's Trek world with our guest. So look. Uh, take a look at the document. Here's an audio sample, but then I'll be right back with this week's special guest.
0: What has changed? Beyond the vessel's familiar symmetry, many things. The starship is designed to be home, home in a very literal sense to a thousand and twelve persons. Gone is the metallic sterility of the original ship, the reason being that the last century or so has seen a form of technological progress which 24th century poets call technology unchained, which means that technical improvement has gone beyond developing things which are smaller or faster or more powerful, and is now very much centered on improving the quality of life.
1: Ah, the quality of life such a big part of the modern star treks as they evolved Trekophiles, and uh, boy i've got somebody i've been trying to <laughs> get a tractor beam on for the trek files for a long time and i am so thrilled to have him look you know him as one of the yeah the heroes of the art department the last few years i was just remembering his humble origins in that department i am so glad to have him with us and talk about these subjects of all things art and star trek hey Art director Art director Guild production design Excellence award winner and five-time nominee Mr. John Eaves is with us today John thank you so much for being with us on the Trek files hi Larry anytime it's, uh,
2: it's a it's a treat <laughs> we never ever get to talk ever so this is a, a nice nice break in the day so uh, it's always busy or something's weird going on but uh I miss you on the Paramount lot. That was a lot of fun. I get to see every day, almost that way. (laughs) I
1: miss, well, we all miss the simpler days of the Paramount lot, it feels like. (laughs) Although I had to take a, I had to get there at the crack of dawn to be able to grab you and have some free time. I do remember that. Yes. Speaking of of free time, just being able to talk here today, you're so busy. You're all over the place, not just Star Trek. Who who all do you work for now? What uh, what universes are you working with?
2: Uh, A lot of Marvel. When I'm not doing Star Trek, I'm in Marvel land. And, uh, it actually started with Star Trek because, um, the prop designer, Russell Bobbitt had started on the first JJ Star Trek movie. And I worked for him. We were under the marathon mill, you know, that, that long, steep driveway under the, uh, the special effects shop. We worked down there. Um, he moved on to Marvel and I kind of, uh, followed with him when, so when I'm not doing Star Trek, I'm doing Marvel. And, uh, And uh, Andy Siegel, who also is a prop guy for the Star Trek JJ movies, doing a lot of stuff for him on the side. He's doing a kind
1: of a Christmas movie called Red One. So I'm working on that right now, also. So lots of stuff. you, You know, Marvel, Star Trek, you really need to get out of these dinky franchises and get yourself a real job someday. Well, before I die, I want to work on a Mad Max movie. So, uh. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, they—I they'll, certainly they'll they'll circle back around to it. But, but no, it's it's awesome to have you here and everybody. Just in case we we need to refresh this, I'm gonna I'm gonna tiptoe through this very quickly. Um, John came really big time to Star Trek with Generations. And early claim to fame was you got to remodify, update, personalize the Enterprise B from, you know, the original Excelsior model. But gener- basically all four Next Generation films to start with. But the last three seasons of DS9, all four of Enterprise as production illustrator, uh, all of these. Uh, Discovery's first season then, after the big fallow time. All three years of Picard. Um, uh, and, and some pro- prodigy work, we were just talking. Uh, all these, so many ships along the way, the, the big hero ships having an impact. And, um, and then just rereading here, you were working uncredited. I did, I'd forgotten this. You work with Greg Jean, the late great Greg Jean, on Star Trek V uncredited in his shop.
2: Yeah, that was, that was, uh, that was the greatest day ever because I was a fan of Greg's forever and yeah. read about him in Starlock. Uh, way, 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 way back. And I remember the first thing I saw his was the Dark Star model. And I was also a fan of John Carpenter, so it was like a double whammy. And so when he he came into Apogee, where I was working the visual effects place, and uh, we did a project together, and he went to Star Trek V, and asked if I wanted to make models with him. So he kind of started the whole
1: thing for me. And, and Greg, of course, famously was a huge Star Trek fan and, and contributed a little bit to the original series, but basically on, Next Gen came back, worked on the movies uh, after that, but Next Generation working on the Enterprise D models and off and on contributing so much. But let's look at this document of the week and, and let's talk about you. But also, again, uh, I love this because it's it's Roots TNG, and they're are they're trying to say what's going to be the same but different, the old age-old Star Trek, you know, every time there's a new one, it's going to be exactly the same, but totally different. <laughs> yeah, it, it, we always have this For one. everybody, for the writers, for the designers, for everybody. Yeah. Oh
2: my gosh. And one of the funniest thing is because with Star Trek, you know, we're always going back in time, uh, in Star Trek time. And so you're already designing things in the future, but you have to design things in the future and go back to a, a, a future's past and then kind of pick up there. So it's like this, this constant whirlwind of, of what world of Star Trek time lore shall we shall we create in? And so, uh, it's it's nice between all the shows and the films that we kind of have this little bit of architecture here and there to pull on when we go back to these certain spaces. And uh, TNG's been a lot of fun, especially with Picard visiting that world again because we haven't done it since Nemesis. So it's been a really fun treat to get to go back and kind of move forward twenty years from where we left off. And well, uh, when was that two thousand and? One
1: two thousand two when ne- two thousand two was a Nemesis, right? Right. Well, you were working on it two thousand one into two thousand two. Mm-hmm. Well, so our our this the document this week is a section. It's not the entire piece of the first season writer's guide for Next Generation. So there's been a lull. They're totally reinventing the universe again and trying to you know trying to update. They're trying to go eighty years in the future from where we'd seen uh, the last of the that we'd seen of the original series movies, which at the time was Star Trek four. And it's you know they're laying they're they're trying to now we think of a franchise but at the time you know and there were a lot of fans of the of next generation that thought of Star Trek as Kirk Spock McCoy and this idea that we're going to have different times now and it's going to open up a whole new storytelling obviously that was the long run win <laughs> but at the time they knew they had to win those people over and make it make sense it had to it had to feel familiar but you know but be a new era. And that's everything from the characters and the writing and the, you know, the background of the Federation to, of course, the technology and the ship. So I was curious what you thought looking at these, you know, going over this. We had our selection was talking about technology unchanged, which I call that's what that's the carpet on the walls, kids. Right, right. (laughs) But what struck you as you read this? Well, I thought it was funny because uh, I had them as well. These
2: these wonderful things that Mike and Denise and Rick Sternbach and everyone put together and what they did was they kept they kind of created uh, well of course john the, is
1: showing off his next generation and his voyager and his deep space nine tech manuals and writer's yeah. guides by and, the way and these were yeah.
2: very important because when i started i was the kirk and spock era because i started on five and greg was doing tng on the sides so we were doing model work. But it was a different thing. But once I started on Deep Space Stein in the art department, um, I had to completely re-educate myself. And thanks, Mike and Denise sat behind me. And so I would ask them questions all day long and they gifted me one of the encyclopedias. Christopher Sternbach gave me a couple of these things. And so it was study time majorly. And it was amazing that they put these out because they also had one for the writers, a writer's guide. And this is what the ship does. This is what decks are this is where things are located and 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 having all of this information made it so easy from an artist point of view or a customer whatever department you're in to fall back on
1: these guides and uh i hope i answered your question correctly (laughs) but no uh, no it's it's all golden because i yeah i want to um because here's the thing so we think of we think of you we think of every Mike and Denise Okuda, Doug Drexler you know Jeff Mandel, we think and now our modern you know got Dave Blass is production designer these last 2 years on Picard he was a fan himself but a lot of a lot of talented folks have worked in the art departments and not been uh, Star Trek fans, you know, in the movie. Right, right. Uh, uh, or Herman had to get up to speed when he first started. You know, Herman Zimmerman. I'm just, I'm just, you're, you're talking about getting yourself up to speed. It's funny that we have to think about you all doing your homework at the beginning, even if you came in with the original series and, yeah. and adjusting that.
2: Well, you know, back then, too, it was pre-internet. And so when yep. you learned, you read tangibly in, in a book or, or what have you. And um, I remember one of the first things I started on with, with um, Deep Space Nine was Kardashians. And uh, I lived in, a, in an area of, of Southern California where we were in a canyon. We didn't have TV. So I never got to see a TNG episode. And so unless we saw it at, at Paramount. And so it was completely brand new education. So Generations was the very first Outing for me to get into that world before Deep Space Nine, and and so that's why I met Mike, met Denise. Uh, I don't remember if I met Doug or not. I think he might have been um, makeup at the time, but uh, but they so graciously and met you, <laughs> yeah. They, but they so graciously pull you in and show you all this stuff. And when you're working on stuff, um, uh, especially Mike, he's always kind of. Very, very courteously watching over your shoulder, and it'll go. You know it, that would be nice if you added a, a transporter emitter. And if you don't know what that is, it's page eight ninety five of the encyclopedia, and then you can go <laughs> research this stuff. And and, those, and I think they've done four different encyclopedias since that time.
1: And the but tech, uh, the the original tech manual too, the
2: next oh, yeah, gen
0: tech,
1: tech manual. Yeah, and yeah,
2: it was also a different world because we wouldn't start a show until we had a script, and so we'd get a beat sheet before this was television but before uh before an episode would begin we get a beat sheet which would kind of be five or six little write up of what the, the show is going to be and once that was ironed out and the script came out then we would start working on it and like now it's a whole different world where we'll do entire 3 months of design work on a beat sheet idea and then when the script starts coming together um it's completely different and so the first season of Picard was very much like that where we had designed an entire arc in a different direction and when the final script came out we started working on that it was like wow well it was a nice warm-up <laughs> Art- <laughs> to get to where we needed to go but it's it, it, they're trying to like find their ground and, and it's very different now tv because of streaming and the way things work mm-hmm. so it's a whole different arena of producing a show and um you kind of work together, which you didn't do before. I remember when we were doing Hunt for Red October. We didn't start until that script was stamped by Paramount. It's ready to go. And and then everyone starts. And it was like a big concrete block that everyone had to use as their guide. But now it kind of fluctuates.
0: Of
1: course, that was a a feature, not a series, but
2: still. Right, right. Exactly. And the movies are kind of that way, too. So when we started with J.J. stuff, his kind of fluctuates a little bit. Not as heavy as a series does, but you uh, right. it also kind of had that, that variance where you'd move around, but we didn't have a tech manual.
1: So. Right. Well, yes, famously. Well, I mean, but that, that process, whether it's TV or film, and, and film you think of as one big thing rather than a se- – and, the you know, the serialized seasons, the modern shows, are more like an extended movie because it's all one story with chapters, which can veer off and be roped in and expanded. But the old school se- seasons were, you know, maybe you had your hero ship and you had your pilot and your, your, when you would come out of the gate with a new series, but unless it was a huge show or a major new direction for the series – you're just designing stuff on the run, and you're, you know, you're doing and maybe even in the old days with the analog, the, the not digital models, even repurposing sets and things. And,
2: yeah, and all models, that. yeah, models were very expensive to make. That's why there were very few new ships in, in older shows because it was a yeah. very huge process to add a turn a- it upside down and stick some fins on it. Look, it's a new, <laughs> new ship. Oh, <Well>, exactly. <laughs> and you know, another, uh, we had a, another issue back in the TNG days was um it's it's not an issue now but tv formats were this they were tiny they were just oh four just four three
1: format out.
2: right yeah and you know like <laughs> for now everyone's widescreen so we're back in for a tv show now you you've got theatrical widescreen formatting but back when tng came out um it was a, a regular television format which was uh i think it's one eight five one seven five don't remember offhand, but that's why the Enterprise D was a shorter ship. They wanted to be able to show the entire ship on the TV without the nacelles hanging off the side or the saucer bleeding off the side. They wanted a ship that was compact mm-hmm. that would fit in a TV screen. And I didn't know that, and so uh, right away, anyways. And when we're working on the show, I was always building the Enterprise D, and I go, I "Wonder why they made the." The D in, in such a tighter configuration, and Greg Jean brought that up. He goes, oh, that's for TV. Like, oh, it doesn't make sense
1: now. Well, you know, we- you say that, and then, and then here in this packet that we did a section of the writer's guide, so we've got the original Andy Probert, or one of them here, uh, where you kind of get that idea. He's kind of got a, it's not quite a 4 through. it's a little, but you get the, the, the basic, those original basic views that were people's first look before there was a model built. Here's the sketch, you know what I'm saying? Right, right. And, and, and then you, you, you kind of get that idea.
2: Yeah, but you have the storyboard plates, you know, and they're already formatted for the television. And and they were tight. When you would try to do some some major action, you really had to rethink the way you would board something out to fit that that smaller screen. And of course, you can't do big sweeps like you can and pans with the uh, like you can't cinematically, but uh, it it was very fun and and having these guides like you're saying were just remarkable to be able to uh, yeah. It needed any information it it was there and if it wasn't you'd bring it up and Mike would add it in so it was it was pretty fantastic.
1: Well, and speaking graphics and an art guy, this th- there's the uh, the pages here where Gene is trying to make a break with this whole thing about updating. He's trying to make a break from all the beloved aspects of the original series and say what's what's different. And one of them is, I remember very famously the old original making a Star Trek book Had that overlay of Kirk's Enterprise over the battleship, the carrier Enterprise, Right. right? And and one of the things about the next gen was they did the same thing, only they overlaid the D over the Paramount lot, right? that we have here to give everybody an instant you know, idea of how big the d is how big the galaxy class is and you know um, it's important for for especially when you have new people coming on the show because every every
2: episode would be uh you'd have somebody new a new writer or a new director mm-hmm. or or something new actors and to put that into perspective because everyone has to walk across paramount lot when we were doing those shows back in the day and it was a long walk. And uh, our art department was in the um, the, the far, far, far southeast corner. And the, the stages in the writing uh, building, the producer building was on the, the complete opposite corner over by the RKO area and the Lucy, right. Desilu area.
1: The
0: heart. And, and, and so the, the just walk Right. <laughs>
2: and yet, if you didn't have a golf cart, it was a 15 minute <laughs> walk to get across that. And when you're thinking, that's how big the ship is. To walk that far, it really puts everything in perspective when you're trying for to
1: those, do something on the interior of the ship. For those folks. Well, you know, it's it's interesting because the break. Oh, boy. I you know what? I want to talk some more about this. Can you come back and, and join us and we'll talk some more about this, this idea of what they did in 86 and 87 for next gen and and this up this idea of the updating, how, how you stay ahead of our current times, but also how you put things in periods in Star Trek world is uh, kind of fascinating to me because it's one of those things that never gets old does it no no
2: not at all and it it, every day is a new adventure with this stuff too so in every show It's a brand new adventure, so yeah, I'd love to. Okay,
1: okay, okay. I'm gonna hold you to that. But meanwhile, thanks for, boy, jumping in and just getting our feet wet here of uh, some of the things you all deal with, and uh, how, And to me, really, they're timeless. They're timeless issues. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> John, it is so good. I'm so glad we. I'm gonna. I'm gonna dare the world and try to snag you again for another visit. Okay, do you promise? I promise. Sounds good. Okay. Okay. Thanks so much, John. See ya. The Trek Files is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Now, all of our documents and your chance to comment are available at Facebook.com/slash the Trek Files. Hey, for more deep diving of Star Trek behind the scenes, visit Dr. Trek and Portal 47. Well, that's me at larrynemiczek.com. That's where you can also link in for all the new Trek Files swag and shirts at our T-Public shop, too. Trek well, everybody.